Shout the Oven. It's Cinema Bombs. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bombs is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are beginning our new miniseries, Cold Boy Summer, covering all the films in the Twilight series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade... How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing good. A little chilly here on the oh. official start of Cold Boy Summer. How are you doing? I am also doing well. I am staying frosted on this Cold Boy Summer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing especially well tonight. Today we're honored to have not one, but two special guests. They're actors, singers, influencers, and best friends perhaps known for their cooking channel show, Uploading the Upstate. Please welcome <laughs> Lena Bledsoe and Macy Belk. I'm stealing that 100%. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you for that free uh, Instagram. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, Macy, we'll start with you here. Uh, what's your previous experience with the uh, Twilight franchise, with this film, with the books, whatever? Like, lay it on us. All right. I've never read any of the books. Good. Just my mom has the first one. I saw Twilight for the first time last year. Thank you to Laura (laughs) Bennett for introducing me. But this is the fourth time I've seen this particular Twilight film. So that's good. (laughs) So you watch it as an adult, which I feel like is interesting because most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess why hadn't you watched them before? And then why did you watch them now? Okay. Why didn't I before? In middle school, when they were all the rage, I was more of a Harry Potter person. Mm. Sorry, everyone. Because everybody liked Twilight, I was like, I can't do that. (laughs) I got to do something different. Very Bella of you. Yeah. yeah. So you went with the unpopular choice of Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you say it that way. Yeah, pretty much. Quarantine happened last Mm. year, and I said something about how I had never seen Twilight movies, and Laura was like, we have all the time in the world and no job so we watched through all of them i purchased them all on amazon prime but just to rent and then the week later they all came out on amazon prime for free (laughs) so i spent that first unemployment check like 40 dollars on renting twilight (laughs) that's a true fan only true fans Jacob, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was the next question is, which team are you? Jacob. This is the question that everyone will have to answer. I love the long hair. Uh, he apparently hated that. I have read, I've been looking at all of these interviews. He hated wearing that wig. And he said, I think there was a mutual dislike. The wig hated me and I hated it. Well, I love it enough for the both of them. <laughs> wow. Wow. My story's a little different. I read all the books. I had t-shirts. I was in a Twilight Club in middle school. <laughs> a Twilight Club? Wait, wait, what club? was that like? What was that? Literally, you read it, you go sit and talk about it. Honestly, we met twice and then we got our picture in the yearbook. But I did have a <laughs> Twilight t-shirt that said Stupid Lamb. Only the true fans get it. Uh, and then I rewatched them about every year. Uh, but anyway, I'm a stan. <laughs> well, okay, Selena, are you uh, Team Jacob, Team Ooh. Edward? Team Edward, Stupid. all the way. Stupid. Oh, he looks okay. like you could bounce a penny off of his abs. <laughs> 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 Look at him. I was telling Wade a little earlier. I I'm gonna. I did be having a dream this past week. 
just Edward Robert Pattinson in my hands, and it was not anything crazy. I was just petting him. I don't dream. And, and that was that was recent and unprovoked by the film. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it happened like a night or two after the movie. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well. She texted good. me about it. <laughs> Have your feelings like changed at all watching them now than when you were in Twilight Club? Yeah, for sure. It's hard just with the first movie because Edward's bad, but he gets a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like standing either of them you mean like his actions yeah yeah we're not gonna spoil any future yeah 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 but when i was younger i was just like hot sparkly sexual tension him and bella that was it so yes wait what are you, <laughs> your previous experience with this film the series and the books i was very into it for a very short amount of time <laughs> So I say I say this to own how into it I was and also to explain why it didn't really have any lasting effect on me. Okay. I read all of the books mostly because it was like the thing like mm-hmm. I have a very distinct memory of being in middle school and like looking around my class one day and seeing that every literally every other person in the room other than me was reading these books. Wow. A movement. I read them all. I was also very into Harry Potter. And I remember hearing about Twilight on a Harry Potter podcast I listened to. People were like, this Twilight thing is like a big deal. It's like the next fandom. Mm. I watched this movie, the first one. I didn't see it in theaters. I wasn't into it then. So between this movie coming out and New Moon is when I read all of them. And I watched this movie on my iPod Classic for the first time. And the little two-inch screen with my headphones is how I watch this. The only way to watch this film, really. (laughs) But then when New Moon came out, I went to the midnight premiere. I had a shirt. I was, like, very into it. I think by the time Eclipse came out, I saw it, like, a month after it had been out in theater. So it was just that one, like, 2009, I was 15, that New Moon moment was when I was very into it. But other than this one, I've seen them, I saw them all when they were in theaters once, and I've never seen any of them again. How could you stay away? I never really had any strong feelings about it one way or another. And I have historically been, and must remain Team Edward. Mm. Amen. Although I, I will say that I think Taylor Lautner gives a better performance in this movie than I remembered. I think he's actually pretty good in this movie. Hmm. I think he's quite good. I don't think he has anything to do in this movie. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I don't think if he's good or bad, it's really his fault. That's fair. I think he's the most natural performance of sure, any of them. Sure. But we can talk about the many styles of acting mm. in this movie. There's like 18 <laughs> of them. There's like There's one for every actor but... in the film. <laughs> you get a little taste. It's a nice, uh, you know, for class. You watch mm-hmm. it, you learn. Emmett, what is your history with the Twilight series? It's complicated. Oh. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna wow. lie. It's wow. uh, and like <laughs> I, I like like okay. So like here I was. It was middle. It was late middle school. Mm-hmm. All the girls were reading Twilight. All the boys were not reading anything at all. <laughs> I was like, I like girls and reading. Maybe I will like this book and be able to have something to talk about girls, a thing that I'm newly interested in, talk to them about, maybe. Uh, And so I (laughs) put myself through the horrors of reading the first two books and was truly just like bored out of my mind. 
I was like, why is this a thing? This is bad writing and this is not an interesting story. And I could read a short story that had more action in it. And I have not improved my feelings. I was, I came back to watch this movie being like, I'm open. I've changed. Like I'm willing to accept like this could be good. Lots of people like this. <laughs> do lots of people like it? Though? Do lots of people like it or do lots of people like to hate I think it? Or lots do, of like, people lots like, of people like people it like ironically. Both. And I think some people like it unironically. Yeah, lots of people are like, oh, this was sweet when it was... What I remember of the book, the movie is weirdly paced. The movies definitely lasted with me longer than the books. Like I, mm-hmm. when now when I first started reading the books, I read the last book like four times. Damn, because uh, mm-hmm. stuff finally gets spicy. Once the movies came out, that was what I stuck to. <laughs> was those, and it's a comfort Lena, thing I have, for I have me. A question. It's a comfort thing. <laughs> I have a question. How spicy does it get? In the fourth book. Uh, they finally hold hands. <laughs> I truly have no memories of the books. Other than the the very ending, which we'll talk about in a month. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but I, I have no like real point of comparison in my head anymore. Emmett, do you want to explain this movie for anyone listening who might not know what it's about? This is the movie that we're talking about today, Twilight, based on Stephanie Meyer's novel of the same name. The movie, it came out in 2008. And this is a film about a young lady named Bella Swan. Mm. Uh, she lives in Arizona. Some Somehow can't catch a tan. Um, she decides to move <laughs> out to... It's a plot point that she can't catch a tan. Um, she, <laughs> she decides to move out to Forks, Washington, which is the rainiest place on earth, according to one of the characters in this story, to live with her father. She's been living with her mother for some time. She decides to live with her father, who I had forgotten is a cop, so we hate that. Oh, <laughs> um, boo! I had that in my notes. <laughs> he's a dad and a cop? Come on. And How are we supposed to like this guy He's at got the all? whole thing. He's got the whole thing. We do not... I, I remember liking this guy or like thinking he was somewhat nice of a guy. He's pretty away. big on TikTok right now. Now, is he really? as, like, you know what I'll say? Dad. You know what I'll say, Emma? What, what will you say? Catch me in the MVP. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say to you right now. Catch me in the MVP. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, she moves in with her she moves in with her father, who is also the chief of police in this town, right? Mm. Everybody in this town is a psychopath. Everyone see and this is this is my take on this movie. Is, this is a more colorful explanation of what this yes, movie is about. Gone off this, a little bit. This is my take on this film because, look, I think that while Eddie Vanderman or whatever the hell his name is, is probably not a great choice for her. He wants to kill her. He wants to suck her blood. He has some strange Mormon thing about sex, which I don't even want to get into yet. But he is probably the best choice for her in this whole town because every boy she sees is like... <gasps> You're Bella Swan. We remember you. And it's very (laughs) weird. And they're all like up in her face and very strange. Then she's at high school and that sucks. She meets this guy um, who hates her. His name is Eddie Cullen. Thinks she's stinky. (laughs) Because she smells bad. He makes a face. He is feeling some kind of way about the way she smells. She's up in there in that class and she's like, wow, that's the cutest boy I've ever seen. He wears even more pale white concealer than I do. This is incredible. (laughs) They talk about biology together and that gets them hot. 
honestly, it's baffling to me because I don't really know how the leap happens. That like one moment she thinks he hates her, and then another moment she he saves her from a car, and then they're what? like together essentially. And she's and he's like, "You can't be with me. It would be better if we weren't be friends." And she's like. <laughs> Well, I want to be. And he's like, well, I didn't say we couldn't be. I said it would be better. And he's like, I'm evil. I'm a villain. And that's when I got wondering, is this just is this just a big, great big metaphor for just actually dating a 17-year-old boy? Because that's what it feels <laughs> like. I was like, oh, this isn't about vampires at all. I think there's a lot of accurate high school talk. I at least in the movie. So. I don't know about the book. This is like a pretty accurate depiction of how high school conversations are. It is, and I was like, I constantly throughout the course of the movie, I'm like, am I uncomfortable because this is bad acting, or am I uncomfortable because this is great acting? Can't tell. We discovered that this movie, uh, if you <laughs> if you watch it as if they're like the weird kids in the corner, not the cool hot people that you want to kiss, it hurts, uh-huh. it so, hurts much worse. so much worse. <laughs> Which is what they really are. It's like they're oh, staring yeah, at each yeah. other, in hard tree, eye contact, in class, talking to this girl. It's like no one would be like, oh wow, uh, kiss, be like, kiss. these kids are. <laughs> nuts and they're like this weird incestuous uh like cult family that only wears white and like all sits (laughs) together at lunch this is very much like written in a fictional high school where like the ren fair kids are the coolest kids in school (laughs) because they all have they all have this like i love fairies haircut and (laughs) dress and attire this is uh, this is filmed in the same high school as every single Frey music video. Oh. <laughs> yes. I read in my research that there were some Twy rock bands, oh, a la the Wiz Rock yeah. Harry Potter bands. I didn't listen to any of them. Oh. I'd love if you were in a Twy rock band, please email us and we'd love to talk about it. Look, I'm not going to throw any shade at anybody who listened to any Twy rock because I did in fact listen to some Wiz rock and that's no better. In fact, now it may, in fact, turn out to have been worse. So, yeah, which aged better? <laughs> which aged better? Off to a good start. <laughs> so, Wayne, would you care to give us the quick stats on this movie? I have nothing more to say about what happens in this film. I would love to, and I'm ashamed to admit they won't be quick. So feel free to pipe in whenever. This film was directed by Catherine Hardwick. By the way, this film, all-female creative team, oh, which is yeah. awesome. One of the rare, like, big-budget movies that is like that, and this is the only time in the series it's going to be like that. Catherine Hardwick was a Texas architecture student who made a popular short film as a director, which paved the way for her not being a director but being a production designer. And she was a production designer on a lot of, like, auteur movies. Like, Vanilla Sky was, like, the big one I read about. But she, like, worked with a lot of famous directors as their production designers during this time. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then her first directorial debut was the film 13 in 2003. I'm not sure if anyone's seen this. It has Evan Rachel Wood and Holly Hunter as the mom. Hmm. No. Uh-uh. I do love some Evan Rachel Wood, though. Me too. The main actor is Nikki Reed, who plays Rosalie in this movie. Oh. Catherine Hardwick dated her real-life father for, like, most of Nikki Reed's life. They had broken up by the time she made the movie. But she was, like, sort of Nikki Reed's mom. Whoa. <laughs> and this movie was based on her real life. Nikki Reed was 14 when they made the movie. So she kind of got, like, this directorial debut with a lot of 
urgency because she was like, we got to film this right now before she gets any older. And that was sort of what broke her out into being a director. And then Holly Hunter got an Oscar nom for it. So that like puts her on the map, which I think is really cool, a really cool journey. And also sort of shows that like it is even so much harder for women than men like that she had to work she did like this big short film and then had to be a production designer and then like only got this film made because she was like we've got to get the star out and then it was like a big thing Hmm. okay then she does lords of dogtown which i liked growing up in 2005 as a skateboarding movie Hmm. then she does the nativity story which I was pretty surprised by because obviously this film is like a Mormon film and that's like a Christian film. Also surprised to see that it's Oscar Isaac playing Joseph in it. No way. <laughs> which really Whoa. makes me want to go watch it. We'll be watching that. <laughs> but what she talked about was she was like, I took it because it's a teen pregnancy movie. That was like her angle on it. So very much all of her films are about sort of like coming of age really taking the emotions of teenagers seriously. That's sort of the connecting theme in all of her work that she's really focused on. Okay, I see it. And then after this, she does Little Red Riding Hood in 2011. Hmm. And then she sort of doesn't get to make another big movie until 2019 when she does Miss Bala, which was an action movie I remember hearing about people liking. This movie was, as you mentioned, Emmett, based on the 2005 novel by Stephanie Meyer. Meyer was raised in Phoenix, much like Bella. Mm -hmm. She (laughs) graduated from Brigham Young University. Uh, She is a Mormon, and that's why none of her books include the main characters drinking, smoking, or having premarital sex. But they're into that postmarital, though. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote the novel Twilight in 2003 after a dream she had, which was interesting. (laughs) I've got to start writing. (laughs) She puts it out. It gets big. Her idea for the sequel is what becomes Breaking Dawn. So she's going to cut it real short. Yeah, it was just going to be two. But at the publisher's request, they were like, you've got to fill in some more of this. So then she comes up with the other two in the middle <laughs> to bridge the gap between <laughs> this and Breaking Dawn. So they were going to be together for like two months and then get married so that they could have sex. That sounds accurate to what I've heard. <laughs> she published one a year from 2005 until 2008. A wild ride. That I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And these are long books too. And she wasn't yeah. even doing that cocaine like what's his name? Like Stephen, Stephen King. King. Like she wasn't she you know she was she was on that Mormon stuff. She can't even drink tea. She she just did that. <laughs> so the last book came out at the same time as the first movie. So when this came out and got popular like all the books were already out. She also wrote the one-off more adult novels, The Host and The Chemist. Hmm. Did you read either of those in Twilight I started Twilight The Club? Host. Oh, I don't really remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't finish it. My dad was actually, <laughs> oh, no. when I was younger, we would like read book series together. And he read Twilight with me. And I think he read The Host. Like, fully. Man, I want to know what he mm. thinks about yeah, the Yeah, ask him thing. next time you see him. He <laughs> loved uh, Hunger Games. So that one went over Twilight. Yeah. But. We'd love to have him on. Oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'll let him know uh she also wrote life and death in 2015 which is a gender swapped retelling of this first book hmm. and midnight sun which was published last year in 2020 which is this book told from edward's perspective Whoa. I've seen that one around, but I didn't know that's what it was about. Her writing style was massively popular and widely criticized. Hmm. Same. 
So this film was written by Melissa Rosenberg, who is primarily a TV writer. Uh, Her big break was writing season one of The O.C. She also wrote the movie Step Up. I have never seen those. I love Step Up. (laughs) And she created the show Dexter in 2006. No way. That's crazy. Yeah. Most of her life for like six or seven years was writing Dexter and writing all of these movies at the same time. Oh, God. Good for her. And then in 2015, she created the show Jessica Jones. Oh, I don't like that one. Is that a Marvel one? Yeah, that's like the only one that was considered good enough to get people to almost care about the Marvel Netflix (laughs) Defenders universe shows. Okay. The score for this is by Carter Burwell, who is the in-house composer for the Coen brothers and Martin McDonough. No kidding. Up in this beautiful, perfect movie. This very good, very important movie. Damn it. (laughs) This movie runs two hours and one minute. Uh, Does anyone have any thoughts about the yeah, pacing? Yeah, right, right. so long. I will Wait, say, it do, I was like, we got to the baseball scene, and I was like, we aren't even at the issue of the movie yet. I always think that the movie's going to end when he's like jumping through trees with her on his back after he's like, as if you could outrun me, and then just roll credits, and I think we could have stopped there. It does, it does drag a little bit. Yeah, it hurts, but in a good way. I was just like, maybe this is because I fell asleep for good chunks of the uh, (laughs) second half. But like, I got to the baseball scene. I was like, cool, this is happening. And then, I don't know. It's like, what happens in this movie? (laughs) What happens of substance in this movie that couldn't have happened in like 30 minutes? He sparkles in field. Important. Important. They spend a lot of time in trees in this movie. They do. And they're the weird kids. That's what I... Yes. (laughs) Okay, no, I, I, I feel you that they're the weird they're the weird kids. I still think it's poorly paced. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Wade, how do you feel about the pace? I felt okay about it. I have mixed feelings about the structure, uh-huh. which I will get into later. But I felt that it was pretty consistently paced the whole way through. Like, there weren't very much sections where I was like, this mm. is really dragging. Yeah. I felt like they set the tempo correctly at the beginning, mm. and then we pretty much stayed there the whole way through. I did notice that it felt like an indie movie in some way, in its pace. Yeah. In like a lot of different ways, it felt like an indie movie, and I liked that about it. It's not that different from Hannah Takes the Stairs. Yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> it is filmed in a couple more locations. And the people in it are hotter. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty much the same. This film was released on November 21st, 2008. It was a Thanksgiving movie, a family classic by Summit Entertainment. My family did go see it all together in theaters. Well, me and my mom, my two, she forced my two little brothers to go with us. We did all see it. So had you read all the books prior to this coming out? I had started them, but I don't think I'd finished them. I think I started it when the movie was in production because a teenage girl that would babysit me all the time showed me production pictures and she told me I looked like Kristen Stewart and I was like, well, now this has to be my whole personality. Uh, And so that's what I did. It didn't play out that way, I have to tell you. (laughs) Released by Summit Entertainment. Their breakout was American Pie in 1999, and then they sort of had a bunch of flops, and they ended up being saved by Twilight, by this movie and this series, in 2008. And in 2012, as the last movie came out, they were bought by Lionsgate. 
So Lionsgate would get the rights to the Twilight films. So that's pretty interesting that this studio is like maybe a smaller studio, but put these out all themselves. Yeah. But now they still like technically exist, but they're just used. They just like are Lionsgate. They're used for like tax write-off purposes Mm -hmm. to like put some movies out under Summit instead of Lionsgate. This movie had a budget of $37 million. Oh. Which is a pretty medium budget was shocking to me. I thought that it was just going to be 37. <laughs> it needed to make about 80 million in order to break even. This film made 402 oh. million dollars. Damn. Damn. It was a huge <laughs> commercial hit. Is that hit. just box office or does that include like That's just box office. Holy You God. know the <laughs> toys and the Posters the and shirts. the shirts. Yeah, There's the so shirts. Many shirts. The yeah. shirts were a big thing. Damn. That's crazy. And it got mixed critical reviews. It has a 56 on Metacritic. Now, maybe would be a good time to reiterate the Metacritic Rotten Tomatoes thing, because I realize mm-hmm. that I talk about this every week, but only explain it on the first episode. But we always talk about Metacritic because I think that people don't totally understand what the Rotten Tomatoes score is when they see it. Because there will always be a number like Rotten Tomatoes, whatever, 88%. And that number is the the amount of critics who gave the movie a 70 or higher. Oh. So I feel like people, like, I always assume that it's just an average of all the scores. Like, this person gave it a 50, this person gave it whatever. But that's just... Yeah, an average of people who gave it a C or higher. So uh, probably most people listening, even if you don't pay attention to this, have watched a really bad movie and then seen like Rotten Tomatoes 99% and be like, I don't understand what that's about. And it probably is that everyone at Rotten Tomatoes said this movie was like a C Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then it gets a 99% because that's the percentage that passes that grade. So that's why we use Metacritic, which is actually an average of all the scores. Of which it got a 56. An F. (sighs) My review quote is from Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly, who writes, Getting Catherine Hardwick to direct Twilight was a shrewd move because the youth quake specialist of 13 treats teen confusion without a trace of condensation. She gets their grand passions and prickly defense mechanisms. She has reconjured Meyer's novel as a cloudburst mood piece filled with stormy skies, rippling hormones, and understated visual effects. What Hardwick can't quite triumph over is the book's lackluster plots. <laughs> oh, she just God. held a thesaurus open that whole Damn. review. <laughs> yeah. They picked every other word but the one there. <laughs> That they should have initially used. And I didn't understand a single part of it. Uh, I've also got this one, which I love, from Roger Ebert at the Chicago Sun-Times, who wrote, Twilight will mesmerize 16-year-old girls and their grandmothers. Their mothers (laughs) know all too much about boys like this. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have to say, speaking on Twilight and uh, grandmothers... Uh-huh. I have a story with every oh, member the, of my yes. family with Twilight. One of my personal sexual awakenings. Uh, I think I had seen the movie, but then there was like a little gap of like when I had seen it. And then I was walking in Sam's Club with my grandma and they were just like playing Twilight on the flat screens. It was specifically the scene in the bedroom where they finally make out. And I was getting all hot and bothered <laughs> in, in a, a Sam's, Sam's Club. Club with my grandma. Um, 
Lena, I've got to admit that that moment is also a sort of a sexual awakening for me. <laughs> I've got to admit it. I remembered almost nothing about this movie, but that scene where Kristen Stewart is in her underwear it's and he comes in the window. Oh, yeah, I remembered was my it. sexual awakening last year. <laughs> So, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The whole climbing in the window, making out, it's pretty hot. That's good. That's what I was doing when I was that age. I approve. Like, uh, good, good on Climbing in the windows. Oh, Isn't yeah. <laughs> watching climbing up, sleep? Climbing up windows, not watching people sleep. Now, that's weird. <laughs> not, not doing that part. But climbing, climbing up the side of a house, you know, when the, they live on the second floor and you don't want to have to go past their parents to get in, you have to climb. Sometimes you have to climb up a window. That's a thing. I don't know if I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Emma, did you say what team you were? Oh, Team Jacob, 150%. No. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I forgot to mention this earlier. The main reason I am Team Jacob is because it's how I picture... My boyfriend, if I knew him in high school, which I did not, Ooh. so you think he looks like a ripped twenty-four-year-old Taylor okay. Lautner in high school? No, he was I'm... not twenty-four. He was not twenty-four. What? Uh, Taylor Lautner was oh, like he was the youngest. I'm pretty yeah, sure he in was this. a baby. Just be looking like that, hot and young. a baby, uh, a hot baby, <laughs> a hot baby, like a hot seventeen-year-old. <laughs> Lena, you said it. You said it, not me. <laughs> Taylor Lautner was 16 years old when they made this movie. I just looked it up. The man is three years older than me. Right now? Yes. Wait, you're only 13? (laughs) I guess we'll start with Macy. Twilight, 2008. Flop or Bob? Oh. Flop. No, I'm surprised. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, I meant Bob. I yeah. forgot what the word was. <laughs> Start it over. Ask me again. Macy. <laughs> 2008 film, Twilight. Flop or Bob? Bop. Bop it. Okay. <laughs> <That's it>. Lena. <laughs> Do I need to? <laughs> no, no. You're going to have the entire podcast to defend those words. <laughs> Lena, Bop or Bob? I have to say it's a bop. Yay. I'm Yay. not alone. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Bop or bop? I have to say that it's a bop. Yeah. This is unconscionable. This is a heel turn. <laughs> I feel betrayed. After after you would give a movie a classic like apocalypse now a flop <laughs> and you would and you would say that this film was a bop you obviously don't love martin scorsese steven spielberg or any of the rest of the cinema i have to say because we may have some first time listeners that the movie Evan is referring to is x-men apocalypse not apocalypse now i did not give apocalypse now a flop <laughs> yeah it's i would say going into it expecting the worst and having no memories i think that it is a bop i think it's genuinely entertaining i was shocked at how much like a high school movie it is like how much this is sort of similar to like another john hughes or like a 10 things i hate about you like mm. that classic oh, yeah. era of high school yeah. rom-com and i really liked all of those elements yeah, and I, there's there's a lot to dig into, but I did think it was really enjoyable, and there was like no no doubt in my mind. 
Emmett Flopper Bob. This is. <laughs> I wonder. I'm if... inventing a new category. Uh. Snooze Fest. Uh-huh. <laughs> this movie doesn't so even upset. deserve a flop. This movie <laughs> doesn't deserve to be watched by anyone, and no one deserves oh to have to watch God. it. This film is such a hot garbage fire <laughs> that, I mean, you could maybe get past the fact that it doesn't have a plot. Because a lot of movies don't really have a plot. They're just about sad high school people. But then you layer in this terrible thing that they've done with the color correction. You layer oh, in <laughs> this, this, like, everybody's skin looks green in this movie because of some weird color correction thing they're doing. You layer in the fact that most of it looks like a Frey music video. And then you layer in the fact that the dialogue is bad. And you come out with a movie that is the floppiest, flaccidest, worst thing that I've seen <laughs> since Deadpool 2. Thank you. Oh. Which you gave a bop. Which I gave a bop to. <laughs> my thing with that is aside from maybe the dialogue being i will give you uh not the best Mm -hmm. it is the movie and series of a generation this this movie reminds me of like shutter shades and mustaches being a trend and like (laughs) kind of ugg boots like this whole thing is that era like all four movies came out in that time so if you don't hate the movie it's still fun to like reminisce 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 about the time yeah this is the most 2008 movie yes all of the style of the movie is unbelievably wait i was in elementary school when twilight came out um i'm old your ancient history (laughs) wow i gotta say that i'm kind of shocked that you weren't like amused by this emmett because i just thought it was like very genuinely entertaining i don't even think it's like funny bad I think it's just painfully bad, and it's an embarrassment to watch actors who I sometimes like in other things in this movie. But there was a character in this movie that had the same name as you, so... You have to like it. There... Do you, that is oh, true. you want to bring that up? You want to get into this? You want to get into the fact how every single time I would tell people my name was Emmett from the year of 2007 (laughs) to the year of 2014, people would be like, oh, like in Twilight? No. No. Oh, so this is the truth revealed. Now, now it has all come to light. You have a personal vendetta. Against this movie. Uh, Personal vendetta against that actor for making all of us Emmets look bad. Okay. Now, I would like to, to talk about, for the cultural context, what do you guys remember, cast your minds back to 2008, what do you remember about vampires in the zeitgeist in 2008? Because it seems like it was more than just Twilight. It was a big thing. Harry Potter was first, obviously, but this mm-hmm. started the whole teen, like, romance Thing, right? Because this was before Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. This was before teen supernatural post-apocalyptic romance, I believe, was the yeah. genre heading. If you went to Barnes and Noble at the time, <laughs> this also sort of like cements the teen fandom thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The like, which team are you on? Yeah, that's maybe less of a thing today, but that like sort of started with Harry Potter, and then it was like Harry Potter set the space. For this to be the first thing. And it was definitely in Hunger Games, too. Like, Team Gale. Yeah. Hunger Games, there was those Divergent movies. There was, like, a oh, whole yeah, yeah, yeah. swell of them. But I always felt like maybe this film may have given, like, more fertile ground. But, like, that Hunger Games was honestly pretty shallow territory for fandom. 
it's like good books, but like not a lot of other things going on. Like the thing with Harry Potter is there was like so much of a world built that there was like a lot of stuff to get into. But for Hunger Games, I feel like there was less so. And I feel like maybe this hits that perfect middle ground where it's like not so overwhelming that you have to be like deeply versed in it, but also is enough. And like people were writing tons of fan fiction about this movie mm-hmm. and about these books. And of course, like the Fifty Shades of Grey books are direct fan fiction of were these, fan fiction were fan fiction it's first crazy. before they got turned into their own multi-million dollar book and film franchise which is crazy mm-hmm. which fun fact i could i might be wrong but didn't the writer want the guy from 50 shades to play edward or am i totally wrong the writer stephanie meyer wanted henry cavill to play ah edward. another chiseled oh. man but he was too old by the time they made the movie so they offered him carlisle Damn. And oh. he didn't take it. Oh. Damn. That would have <laughs> hit a spot. Okay, if it would have been that way, flopper bop image. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying there aren't like eight different people I'm hot for in this movie, okay? That's not what the rank flopper bop is about. It's about, would I ever watch this movie again? That is Emmett's interpretation of Flop and Bop, which, <laughs> to be fair, has no actual set rules. <laughs> but Emmett's interpretation is, <laughs> would I rather watch this movie every night for the rest of my life or never <laughs> or watch it again? Never, see it again. <laughs> never even think about it. I can't think of a better way to rank movies. <laughs> the danger of rewatching movies is very real in Emmett's head. He needs yeah. to firmly commit if he's willing to rewatch or not. Good lord, no. <laughs> I genuinely vampires have never done it for me. Like even though <laughs> I didn't watch Twilight or read Twilight in elementary school slash middle school, I've been Team Jacob since then without watching because I don't. <laughs> I hate. I hate a pale boy. I got a lot of disrespect. <laughs> From Paleman. <laughs> Not my type. Never had. Yeah, at one, at one point, my little, my youngest sister Mariah said about this movie, about Edward, he's so white. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so is this whole film, unfortunately. <laughs> I was actually very shocked by how diverse the casting in this movie was. Okay. For 2008, like, the fact that, like, all of her friends could very easily just be, like, white kids. And I feel like in most other movies would be. But I feel yeah. like because they did a lot of location stuff, because they had a female director, like, this movie is diverse in its casting, mostly not of the main leads, mm-hmm. to be fair. Yeah. But it is sort of like all of the background characters are very racially diverse. Also, Edward is the only one who they've gone to the trouble of doing his makeup past his face. <laughs> like, they have done the makeup on <laughs> his neck, too. Because when you see, like, Carlisle in the hospital room, like, his face is oh, so pale, yeah. and then his neck is totally yeah, normal. Is, is no, no, totally normal. <laughs> he stopped turning into a vampire at the neck down. I, w- I want to get into all of the different performers and all of the different <laughs> acting styles in okay. this movie. So I think we should start by just saying, like, how do you guys feel about Kristen Stewart and what she's doing in this movie? It hurts to watch. <laughs> she's doing too much. Mm. And every single, every single time the camera is on her, she's doing way too much than is necessary for the scene. Or the line, I think. It's way too dramatic. <laughs> I will say, though, on that. Oh, my God. When you are introduced to the vampires and how heightened they are, if mm. she was just chilling, it would be even 
maybe even worse. She's too twitchy. She just twitchy. Twitch. Yeah, no, she <laughs> blinks a lot. That's fair. But she did wear contacts too, which was dumb. <laughs> She's, yeah, she has blue eyes and she has to wear contacts. Everybody in this movie has colored contacts. Did I almost buy colored contacts because of this movie? 100%. (laughs) That's my take on Kristen Stewart's acting. Thank you. You bought colored contacts. All right. I think she's giving her best film performance in this role that I've seen. Really? I don't think it's good, but I think it's the best that I've seen. I do think that she's like there doing the thing. I don't think there's a lot of a thing for her to do. I think that's the fault of a plot that doesn't really know where it's going. And I'm not sure what what all else. You're reading all of the emotion on her face and you're like, okay, I get what's going on. I guess I needed that. I would like to take this moment to take issue with the voiceover in this film. I think it's Mm. completely unnecessary. I think this film could have been a bop for me if it wasn't for the voiceover. I think that she is doing herself a dis or like the directing is giving doing her a disservice by putting voiceover over a lot of the stuff where she's acting and like not just like letting you sit in whatever it is she's feeling. The voiceover, I remember first watching it, is a lot of direct quotes from the book. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe there are things that they had, they're like, you have to get this line in. Like, the word irrevocably, I remember that was in the book, and she has to say that in the voiceover. So, I mean. I didn't remember that there was a voiceover at all. <laughs> I noticed it at the beginning. That my mind completely. <laughs> but I don't know how much I noticed it after that. I know there were some things to that point, Lena. Like, I know the lion and the lamb line. Yeah. I guess that was rewritten by uh, Melissa Rosenberg, the, the screenwriter. And Stephanie Meyer was like, actually, you have written this much better than I have, but people have this line tattooed, so yes. it needs to be oh, just like it is shirt. in the book. Yeah, so there was a lot of stuff like that where they were like, no, this has to be book accurate because people like really care about this stuff. Maybe as a response to some of the Harry Potter in the lead-in they had, like, seeing the reception people had to the changes they make in those movies. That's true, because this is happening at a time where, like, half of the Harry Potter movies have come out. Yeah, because Pattinson breaks in the fourth Harry Potter. In the Potter, fourth Harry Potter movie. Oh, five, I think? Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting you said earlier that all of the movies had come out when they decided to adapt them to film. So at least they were working with, like, a full deck when they started. They were like, Mm -hmm. we know where this is going, we know what we want to say, and you can adapt it start to finish, which is always something that I took issue with, even as a kid, with the Harry Potter movies, is that, like, they didn't even have half the movies, or half the books ready when they began the making movies of them yeah the game of thrones thing kind of. yeah exactly that's also the thing i had with series of unfortunate events movie because that movie ends with like revelation which is not in the books which is different from the answer you get in the books to go back to stewart i agree with Maisie that she's doing too much in this but I want to stress that she is doing a lot because I feel like the common criticism of her in these movies is that she doesn't do anything or mm-hmm, she's boring mm-hmm. or she doesn't s- smile. She is like playing a very awkward, mm-hmm. a like cripplingly awkward character. And she's like committing so hard to that. Mm-hmm. It hurts. so bad. <laughs> Yeah. And it is very difficult to watch, but I think like I get who that character is. I understand why she does everything she does because she is that character. I think she's maybe best when she gets angry at the very end. And like the couple scenes where she like breaks down to the point where she starts like yelling about everything that's going on. 
that still feels true to that character, but that's maybe her best stuff in this. Yeah, she warms up to it throughout the whole... Because in the beginning, you're like, ugh, just <laughs> awkward lady mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with brown hair. <laughs> that's her only defining quality. And then she gets better. Uh, yeah, and the hospital scene is pretty... What she's saying, not the best. How she says it, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Do you guys think her and Pattinson have chemistry in this movie? It's hard to look past my seeing this as a younger person who's been like, oh my god, that's so hot. Thinking back on it, not too much. The car scene gets... I think that they've got something good going on in the car. Mm. Like when she touches his hand for the first time. You're mm. so cold. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I feel like they're kind of both so into their own thing so far in their own world that it's like difficult for them to be on the same page. I think they're best when they're having fun, mm-hmm. which is not Oh, often. yeah, when he's playing music. I think they're really good in the prom scene, in the final scene of the movie. Oh. And you, like, believe yeah. them as a couple there. When he, like, jokes around with her and he kisses her neck instead of biting her. Like, that stuff, I think, you ah. see the chemistry between them. So, Pattinson, one of your favorite actors, Emmett, one of mine, too. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about him in this movie? This is cringeworthy to watch with him. <laughs> He's so bad in this. He is unbelievably bad in this. And I know that he is doing something. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that he was just there and not doing anything. I just think he was doing the wrong thing and was doing it like to the hilt. And no one ever was like, hey, don't do that. (laughs) This is bad. (laughs) And he just like did it. I have a question about this. Yeah, most of the acting in this movie is bad. However, when... These like celebrities talk about this movie now. They talk about how much they hated being in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So could it be a director thing? Like, could they have all just been like, "This is what you have to do"? It very well could have been. I mean, we don't really. Do you know, Wade, if if these acting choices were imposed by the director? Or... Um, I don't know. I know that there was some beef between Pattinson and the director, mm-hmm. which we can mm-hmm. get into. My feeling is the emotions everyone the actors feel about these movies is probably because they made five of these in five years yeah they basically spent five years only making these movies so i think a lot of these performances are like pretty fresh and interesting in this i'll be interested to see if they're still trying by the end or if they are just like totally miserable by the time we get (laughs) by the time they're in their fifth year of doing these things you know I also think his accent is very strange in this. And I know that there's like some sort of in-world explanation that he is like a hundred and some years old. And so he talks mm-hmm. in a different sort of way, but he sounds like he's got his same accent from the lighthouse, which was like kind of a cool, um, cool little Easter egg. It's very strange. His whole thing. I think like the thing for both of them is they're looking like they have like just both looking like they ate some really bad food and have food poisoning the whole time and are like, th- like 30 seconds away from just, like bolting from the room the whole time that's what they both i feel like that's what they both look like they're just like let me play extreme physical discomfort but i mean he do think she's stinky my intention for this scene is extreme physical discomfort (laughs) and i'm gonna play that every single scene i think that's true for a lot of them yeah Alina, you were dreaming of him just days ago. How do you feel about Pattinson in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I have to recognize what these movies did for him. They definitely, like... I guess Harry Potter really put him on the map, but this one made him, like, the stud. Yeah, he is pretty uncomfortable. However, you could put that into his, you know, subtext of she's stinky, cannot eat. Mm-hmm. So, 
But I will say, I think I like his performance in this. Y'all may not like this. Better than in The King. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) I would say kind of the same thing as with Kristen Stewart as it hurt a little bit. Um, I hate the kind of... This is going to sound just kind of (laughs) snobby. But I hate the kind of acting where it's so bad you have to pay attention. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like you right. can't just relax and be in the world and, of it. Yes, yeah. Because I'm just like, oh my. Because mm-hmm. him in The Lighthouse, I loved that movie. That was really good. I didn't. There wasn't a moment where I was like, his acting is this or that. Because I was just immersed in the world. But this, all I could think about was like, this hurts. <laughs> Still a bop. In pain. But it hurts. Here's my hot take about him in this movie. I mostly agree with everything you guys have said. But I feel like the narrative on him was like, he was a heartthrob. He did these movies. He does like a couple studio leading man movies like Water for Elephants mm-hmm. um, and Remember Me. Like he tries to make it in there and it doesn't really work. And then he like retreats and he comes back as like a really weird indie actor. Yeah, an actor. Yeah, where like he's yeah. always doing something wild. Every time he opens his mouth, some bizarre accent comes out in anything <laughs> he's in the last five years. Watching this, I was like, oh, he has always been that guy. <laughs> like he has always been a really weird really strong actor and i feel like this like if i watched him give this performance today it would be totally in line with what i expect from a modern robert pattinson movie where like i don't necessarily think he's a good actor but he's one of my favorite actors he's fun to watch because you so never know watch, what he's yeah. gonna do yeah <laughs> i think okay so i get what you're saying about this I think if the movie knew what to do with him, that would hold true and like make this good. But I don't think it knows what to do with that. I think he knows more of what this like what is going on with that character than maybe anybody else does. <laughs> than like anyone who's trying to make the movie or write the movie right. like knows what's going on. Like he has like figured it out and is like there committed to it. I don't know. I think that's kind of like the king and also the devil all the time too. Like he's in a totally different yeah. movie and knows that anyone yeah. else in that movie. But it's it's just fun to watch because he's doing something so big. <laughs> yeah, and it always is kind of okay. Plays the character that you're like okay, like I get. You are crazy. Okay, go with it. I'm going to watch you yeah. be crazy, you especially will, in Devil All the Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just like wild, but you're like, I'm on I'm on track with you. Dude, that part where he eats the food in Devil All the Time. Oh, I forgot that about that. That is so good. Turns out I've only seen two movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> that scene him and Holland have in that movie where Holland has the gun. Dude. Honestly, Tom Holland is so good in that movie. He is. Like, it's such a bad movie, but Tom Holland is incredible in it. You know, where was the Oscar nom for him, honestly? I do think it fares the worst. (laughs) Probably of all the styles. Like, I think it's the one that is the hardest to translate. But I also think that if he wasn't doing such a bizarre thing, this movie would be much less enjoyable. Mm. today that was my feeling like so much of the fun of the first hour of this movie was just whatever facial expression he (laughs) was making which like just made me lose it half of the time twilight but told from edward's facial expression (laughs) no worries just though that's the whole movie i think if you had like jim sergis or like jesse eisenberg or some like other 2008 (laughs) person playing that role you wouldn't get that fun performance that he's putting in yeah that's fair 
So you've got those two sort of like doing totally different things. Mm-hmm. You've got her friends who are sort of doing like high school movie stuff, including a young Anna Kendrick, we should mention. Woo! Yeah. Shout out Kate Evans. Pitch perfect yes. performance every single time. She is so dead in the face in this movie. It is. Oh no. You're validating Kate. Shocking to behold how terrible Anna Kendrick is in this film. I, oh, I love her. She's so bad. I, all right, yeah, catch me in the MVP. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> then you've got, like, Bella's family and friends who are doing, like, a very natural performance. Like, yeah. I would say, like, her yeah. dad, Taylor Lautner, Taylor Lautner's dad, they are, like, giving sort of a regular movie performance. Uh-huh. Uh, with like some nuance and inner life and a sense of tone and stuff. And then you've got Edward's family <laughs> who are giving like the most performance. They are giving music video performances. <laughs> music. But I also think it works. I feel like the dad who's playing Carlisle like knows what he has to do to make this type of movie work. Uh-huh. Which not everyone does. Also, <laughs> other people are in different types of movies. Catch me in the MVPs. <laughs> <laughs> but right, like when he comes in and he has that like star making moment where he like bursts the door open and smiles and oh, yeah. reads a prescription or whatever. <laughs> I was like, this is the hottest person in this whole movie. Why haven't we seen him yet? <laughs> It was weird watching this movie at 14 and then at 26, because when I watched it the first time, I was very into the young cast, and then now I was like, wow, am I into the dads of this Daddy. movie? Yeah. Is this yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, like these are literal kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for real. Question for you, Lena, we'll start with you this time. Okay. Who do you think the protagonist of this film is and what could they possibly want it's miss um bella swan okay final answer and uh she wants overarching theme to be vampire Hmm. to be with edward for forever and to eventually kiss him i'll get to that (laughs) okay good see i also agree that bella is the protagonist what i think she wants is to kiss Edward on his glittery little cold mouth. There's one scene where she she bites her lip while she's talking to him. That got me. You would do it too. Okay, wait, who do you think the protagonist of this film is? What do they want? I also think it's Bella. I don't know what she wants. I should really start thinking about this question as we watch the movies because I'm always just like, I don't know. I think there's something in that she's very giving like in her relationships like this she starts the movie by moving not because she has to but just like just so her mom will have a better time right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's oh, sort of yeah. like well i don't have Horrible to move boyfriend but yeah it would be easier on my mom if i moved so i guess i should and she's very giving with her dad too and sort of just like hang out with her friends so i feel like this movie is sort of like her coming into something that is hers mm-hmm. like finding something that she sort of selfishly wants for herself and okay. will do whatever it takes to get hmm. that's yeah, it what kills like... her when she has to be mean to her dad like oh mm-hmm. yeah and... although i couldn't really understand why she did have to be mean to her dad in that moment i, I, I agree. kind I mean, of missed she... that part i was like i got like backwards like retroactively i got oh like she thought she was gonna die and wasn't gonna see him again so she had to like piss him off so that she could leave or something but i was still just like what was the strategy there 
It was also weird for me. Who do you think, Emmett? Well, I do think it's Bella. I do think she's the protagonist of this. There's something to the fact that everybody, like, recognizes her and, like, already has this idea about who she is as, like, the new girl. But she's the new girl, but the girl that they all grew up knowing, like, over the summer. And then Edward doesn't know her at all and, like, has to, like, get to know Mm. her. And there's something in all of that, I feel like, where it's, like... She wants to be, like, seen and accepted for the awkward, weird person that she is. And she doesn't really, like, have to change to be cool with his family. Like, the thing that she has to change is, like, whether or not he thinks they can, that she can handle it. But she herself doesn't actually, like, undergo any change to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, she, she convinces him, but she doesn't, like, essentially have any major change as a person to make him feel that way. Because she feels like this is so, oh my gosh, t- deep Twilight now, but it's like everybody knows her. Mm-hmm. She wants to reinvent herself and, you know, let people know who she is, but he can read everyone except oh, for her. Oh, right. yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. That Yeah, that plays into The man's clueless. So it's like the perfect match. And that's why it's a bop. And that's <laughs> why it's a bop. Wade, do we have behind-the-scenes drama you want to drop on us mm. here in this Woo! moment? I'm sure there might be some. <laughs> there is some, and I want to say that I know there are a lot of big topics about these movies. So I'm going to like split some of those up, like okay. talking about the Mormonism influence, talking uh-huh. about the depiction of the Native American culture, uh-huh. the history of... The vampire in eroticism. Oh, wait. I, I want to cover that part. <laughs> you can have that one <laughs> in future episodes. So uh, but we're not neglecting those things, but I figured we had a lot to talk about <laughs> without them. Yeah. So this movie gets started in 2004 before the book is even published because Paramount buys the rights to it. Oh. And they write a screenplay that is very, very different from the book. It's sort of like high school vampire. Like, that's sort of all it is. Uh But there are, like, more traditional vampires with fangs and traditional vampire rules. Bella is, like, the it girl. She's, like, a popular track star. Mm. And she is, like, also out, like, hunting vampires at night with, like, night goggles and stuff. I want to see that It's her name, Buffy, also. (laughs) Yeah, it's much more similar to that. But that kind of got trapped in development hell, and Summit ended up buying the rights in 2007 by offering Stephanie Meyer to write, like, uh, the terms of the agreement, basically. So Stephanie Meyer writes this 25-page manifesto, which is like, these are the things that you cannot change. These are the things that are essential to the story, and this is everything that can go, that you have leeway with. And that's how they get the rights to it. They hire Melissa Rosenberg, who says that her primary inspiration was Brokeback Mountain in terms of, like, a forbidden love movie. Oh, same vibes. Exact same vibes. That explains a lot of the acting choices, actually. She also thought that she was going to have months, a regular amount of time to write this screenplay. And then, because of the impending 2007-2008 Writers Guild of America strike, where all the writers went on strike, she had to write this screenplay in just a single month. Oh, (laughs) no. So she turned it out fast, and she was also a union officer during the strike, so we love that. Yeah. 
Hey, support unions, and uh, if you can, buy from your local bookstore, not that other one. Kristen Stewart was cast in this movie on the set of Adventureland, which was filmed before this, even though it came out a year later. Stewart had been a child actor before she's in Zathura as, like, a very little kid. Mm. And Catch That Kid. The sister. The classic Mm. Catch That Kid. Mm. So she's sort of there in place from the beginning. The search for Edward was like most of the casting process of this movie. As we mentioned, Meyer wrote him imagining Henry Cavill playing him. Because that's who she dreamed about. When she had her dream inspired <laughs> the she had that dream. She was dreaming about Henry Cavill. Pattinson was at, I guess, a low point post-Harry Potter. He had been fired from whatever film he was working on before, and he flew out from London to L.A. on his own dime to audition for this role because he was just, like, pretty desperate. He was like, I will come to you. Like, I will do it. I think I could do a good job with this. Uh, He also loved Kristen Stewart from her being in Into the Wild the year before. Oh, same. And he wanted to work with her. So they come, they do the test together. Stuart immediately loves working with him, and she is the one pushing for him. Like, Kristen Stewart is like, I love Robert Pattinson. It's so good to be in scenes with him. He's my guy. Uh, And then Stephanie Meyer comes and sees him, and she is also pushing for Edward. Catherine Hardwick doesn't want him. Hmm. It's not her first choice. She apparently picked someone else. I don't know who it is. And I don't think, like, a contract was signed. But she said, like, this is my choice. And then, you know, everyone else came and said, like, we want uh, Pattinson. So she she let him because of the chemistry and because it was, like, the thing that Kristen Stewart wanted. But apparently she sat him down before hiring him and said, Kristen Stewart is 17. If you mess around with her, you will get arrested. And I cannot have that on the set of my movie. So, like, you need to focus on this character. How old was Pattinson? He was 22. Whoa! Damn. Pattinson had no American accent training. He had never done one before, and he was not given a dialect coach on this movie. Are you serious? Oh, no. Or on any subsequent movie he has ever been on, apparently. Yeah, he's making up whatever the hell he wants. into the flames. They're just like, what do you, what do you think it sounds like, man? <laughs> just guess. You pick. It's up to you. He also really plays the piano and sings the song in the climax of this movie. And when he plays him the piano, that's a composition of his, not the score. That's that something. was Lullaby? Yeah. What? He wrote that. No way! It's a good one. It's quite nice. Wow, I love him even more now. I will have more dreams about him Talent. Now. Such talent. And a little tiny sparkly boy. <laughs> And Stephanie Meyer let him read Midnight Sun more than a decade before it was published so he could understand, like, what was going on from his perspective. He'd be like, so this is how you should have played your character. (laughs) Uh, It filmed in Portland. Here's the thing about this movie. They only had 44 days to shoot it. It was basically one month they had to shoot it. And because Kristen Stewart was a minor... She can only work five hours a day. What? No way! Oh! Why? That's union Why? rules. We should remake it. Let's remake it. With us. <laughs> With them. She could only work five hours a day, and Hardwick cast her knowing that. She was like, I know this is going to make it so much harder, but she's the girl. Which is pretty cool, like, because she sacrificed a lot to get her into this movie. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's big shoes to fill. Yeah. And Stuart stepped up and was like, 
because it's only work five hours total. It's not filming. It's not on set. It's like in total, you can only be here for five hours a day. So this entire movie, she's wearing a wig because she was like, I don't want to spend any of my time in hair and makeup. Oh. I don't want you to have to waste any of this on prep time. Like I come in, I put on the wig and I'm ready to go to film. Like Hannah Montana, baby. Oh, what a woman. She's, wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Five, so she only had five hours on set a day. A day, That's yeah. like, what, like maybe a scene a day. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and she's in most and, of this movie. Oh. Yeah, that's nuts. Hardwick also pushed for using a lot of handheld camera on this film, mm-hmm. which I guess is something she did in 13 because she said it would make it feel more real. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I would say, one of the worst things about the movie to me. Yeah. Shaky. <laughs> Makes me motion sick. Yeah. Yeah. For real. That's why I can't watch the first Hunger Games movie because of how motion sick I get. I don't really mind the color correction, but like all of the steady cam and the snap zooms and like that style of filming is very dated. Yeah. I think the color correction goes right in there as being one of the worst, but I do agree with you that like the shaky cam and like the swinging stuff around them and while they're in the woods is like so, <laughs> it's so 2000 and late. And being on a treadmill to represent running fast when the three villains are coming in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is the last detail I just included because I thought you would think it was funny, Emmett. Mm-hmm. This film has two parody films entitled Vampires Suck. Yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. that one. <laughs> Breaking Wind. <laughs> wow. Those are both worse names than what I came up with for my parody film of this that I recorded for Molly, which was called Bloodsuckers. Pray tell us more. Um, I decided to record a voiceover of the entirety of this first film. And I still couldn't remember this movie when I went to watch it the other day. (laughs) But I did that for my friend for Christmas one year, several, like, way back when these movies were coming out. That is commitment. It is. Um, It was stupid and probably wouldn't age well. So I'm glad that it is only ever one copy made. (laughs) Much love for anybody who makes weird fan slash mock art of something. I think that's really cool. I think, like, that is what the internet should be for instead of, like, organizing white nationalism. Like, go back to yeah. go back to making, like, mock fan films <laughs> of stuff on YouTube. Cool. Well, this is the part <laughs> of the podcast where I ask you who your MVP OTBS is, uh, your... Most valuable player other than Bella Swan in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, who that who that might be? Macy. Who do you think? Okay. I made sure to look up her name because all I call her is Susie Crabgrass. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> from Ned's Declassified oh School Survival Guide. Results may vary. So Christian Seratos. Seratos? Okay. Seratos. Seratos? I think. Seratos. Oh, is Christian Seratos. Her friend with the glasses? Yes. She's so good. She's very good. It's so funny. She reminds me of one of the, the girls I was friends with in elementary school. Just like her whole mannerisms. The awkward oh, hug that they get after the The awkward hug. She's, the... she's like, okay. I asked him to prom and he said yes. Uh. <laughs> and then like don't look at each other and it Bella's got feel, limp arms you know it's a bony hug <laughs> no satisfaction Damn. I think she did a swell job if she would have been in a high school production I would have left the theater being like she did so well <laughs> so 
Essentially, she did. She was in a high school production because she was probably high school age when she filmed this movie. I'm oh. talking on the stage in a public high <laughs> we school. We give her flowers <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yes. I go up to her and I tell her, like, you were my favorite one. And she's like, oh, my God. And she still thinks about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> Lena, who would you say your MVP OTBS is? Listen, the second I got the text doing this <laughs> podcast, I knew. I told Macy this. I was like, I can't say this too many times because I've got to save it. Um, it is Anna Kendrick, and specifically the power it. that she gives her breasts in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm there. Prom dress try on she, video. Bella walks in, prom. Nobody, like, it's all about Bella and Edward being out in public. Anna Kendrick pointing to boobies huh? like, look huh? at me. Now you know how I feel all the time. <laughs> It was just so good. Bella does a very complicated hand sign maneuver back to her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Okay. Wait, other than Anna Kendrick's boobs, who would you say is your MVP of TBS? My love for Anna Kendrick is pure. (laughs) It is who I think is legitimately the best performance in this movie. Billy Burke as her dad. Charlie? Swan? I think I think he is great. <laughs> Legitimately gives like a thrilling, sensational performance. He like one hundred percent understands what movie he's in. He's read the books cover yeah. to cover <laughs> multiple times. He really grounds. Like I think if he isn't in this movie, it's a much weirder, much worse movie. I feel like he sort of grounds you in Bella's like real life stakes of what's going yeah, on. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. But I also feel like it would be very easy to have like you know, like he's the dad character, like whatever. He's got the shotgun. Like anyone can do that. But you also sort of like actually care about him. Like the moments where he sort of asks about the mom and yeah, the other boyfriend yeah. and he's like asking around things and I think his relationship with Bella is very... He also looks very young, right? Mm. Like... Which, yeah, that was the thing, mm-hmm. right? They were pretty young when they had her, too. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's interesting. So, I, I love his relationship with Jacob's dad. I think uh, they are so sweet, sweet together. Oh, yes! They watch football together. <laughs> that was sweet. If your best friend was handicapped, wouldn't you get a handicap ramp? It's sweet that he carries him <laughs> up the stairs. No, but like, show what? off your muscles. <laughs> Just show off your muscles by lifting him onto the stairs. Emmett, MVP? My MVP in this film, it's it's tough because I do think there's a lot of stellar performances on the sides of this film. Well, I'm just going to tell you my MVP. My MVP is Carlisle, the dad. I don't know the actor's name. Mm. He's the hottest of all (laughs) of the vampires. And that is why he's my MVP. That's the only reason. And I don't think any other reason is necessary. But I will say that I'm introducing a new maybe not weekly segment but a new recurring segment for this show right here live on air and it is the silly songs with Emmett no although we could do that too (laughs) it is the that guy award and the that guy award goes in any film goes to the person where you're like yeah that guy and you can't remember the person's (laughs) name but you know you've seen him a bazillion times in a bunch of stuff and that will go to the actor playing Billy Black, uh, Jacob's dad, uh, Mr. Gil Birmingham. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is really good in this movie, but is mm-hmm. Caroline, when she saw him, was like, that guy! Alina, you mentioned like when you got the text. Both of you immediately picked this movie. 
<laughs> as yes. the one in the whole series that you could have. So what is it about this first one that both of you like? It's the classic. It's the one I've seen the most times, mm. so I kind of remembered it. Uh, well, New Moon, well, I don't want to, no spoiling. Mm. New Moon, not my fave. I've heard it's okay. the worst. Yeah, it's my least favorite by far. And then Eclipse is good, but it doesn't, it just sets up the last movie and the last movie is in two parts. This is the only one that is like, if you want to just get Twilight, get mm. everything that you really get represented in all of them. Mm-hmm. A sampler the platter yeah, of sampler Twilight. Platter. I have this issue with lots of movie series. Like, I can only tell you what one of the movies is about most of the time. <laughs> and I often can't tell you which one it is. <laughs> um, it happens with Star Wars. Uh, Harry Potter, I think. Lord of the Rings, 100%. Same with Twilight. So I only know what happens in the first Twilight movie, and that's a kind of. So so now is the part of the, the show where we're going to play a game. And we've been um, trying to come up with a new quiz segment um, for our Twilight for our Twilight thing. So we're going to try this one out and see if it works. Oh, in, no. in this <laughs> quiz, which I am calling Interview with a Vampire... Oh, I love it. We are going to hear quotes from the fictional character Bella Swan from the Twilight series. These are going to be quotes from the book, I believe. Mostly from the first book, I think. And quotes from the famous actor Bella Lugosi, who um, famously played Dracula (laughs) in in the films, in the movies, in the talkies back in the 1930s. So, um, I'm going to read you one quote. It will be Bella Swan. I will read you another. It'll be Bella Lugosi or vice versa. You have to tell me which one is which. There are no points. It doesn't really matter, but we're just going to have some fun. Can you say the last name of the other person one more time? Lugosi. Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Thanks. Lucy Goosey. Bella Linguini. Yeah, you should look up this guy, too, because he, he was wild looking. Okay. All right. First, first question. I like the night. Without the dark, we'd never see the stars. And I have never met a vampire personally, but I don't know what might happen tomorrow. I'm going to say the second one is Vela Swan. I've never personally met a vampire. And the first one is Bella Lugosi. Yeah, probably. I want it to be the other way around, but I think that's not it. Wait. I think it is the other way around. That would be my guess, that it's some sort of interview about Dracula that Lugosi says that in. Met a vampire, but <laughs> Wade and Macy's better half are correct. <laughs> Lena and Yay, Macy's other half, half are incorrect <laughs> on this. Um, so it is Bella Lugosi said, I have never met a vampire personally, and it was Bella Swan who said, I like the night. All right, <laughs> continuing on. Every actor is somewhat mad, or else he'd be a plumber or a bookkeeper. <laughs> Or a salesman. I'm sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting. Uh, <laughs> the other quote is, why am I covered in feathers? I think it's Bella Lugosi and then Bella Swan. I'm going to stick with that also. We can only choose the same thing. I okay. think the same. All right, you are all correct. Yay! Next up, I want you and I want you forever. One life is simply not enough for me. And the other, <laughs> the other will be... I guess I'm pretty much of a lone wolf. I don't say I don't like people at all, but to tell you the truth, I only like it then if I have a chance to look deep into their hearts and minds. Can we say it at the same time? The first... No. Bella, <laughs> Bella Swan, Swan is the, the first Bella... one, and then Bella... 
Gussie is the, the second, second one. one. We Easy. finished strong. All right. We're good at this. All right. All right. Wade? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so here we go. To win a woman, take her with you to see Dracula. <laughs> Repeat one word of what I just said, and I'll cheerfully beat you to death. <laughs> <laughs> they are both Bella Swan. <laughs> Wow, this is a tough one. <laughs> the first one's Bella Swan, and the second one's Bella Lugosi. I'm going to go with the first one is Bella Lugosi, and the second one's Bella Swan. <laughs> I'm going to go with first one's Swan, second one Lugosi. Well, Lena, you've got it correct. The only one. <laughs> beat you nice to work. death. I can't remember the points. Yeah, Bella Swan is the one who's going to beat your ass to death if you repeat anything <laughs> she said. Good for her. Good for her. I've forgotten how smart Bella is. And I think this is somewhat there in the movie, but I was reading quotes from the book earlier today, and I was like, oh, I forget that because I give, like, the writing of this book a really hard time that I think the character is really dumb, but the character is really smart. It's just poorly written. That's interesting. She's already read her entire reading list before she even saw it, because she's just that kind of bookish, nerdy, awkward awkward character. Lady. Yes. Because a vampire slumber party is the pinnacle of safety conscious behavior. Is the first quote. And (laughs) I look in the mirror and say to myself, can it be you once played Romeo? (laughs) Bella Swan and Bella Lugosi. (laughs) Kristen Stewart playing Romeo? We would watch that. I would watch that. Oh yeah. That'd be good. Okay. And finally, I'm a pro at weird. And I've been using narcotics for 20 years, both of which could have been said by this podcast host. (laughs) Does Bella ever hit 20 in these? Oh, um, Bella uh, Bella Swan and and Bella Lugosi. It is. is, That is correct. So Bella Lugosi sounds like a wonderful character from history. I think we should all learn more about him. I personally will be taking the next couple of weeks to read all of the Twilight books so I can know more about uh, Bella Swan and her ass-kicking me. <laughs> Macy, Lena, do you have any final thoughts on this lovely film? Oh, okay. I just have to say, if you're going to watch this movie, you have to watch it with subtitles on. There is no other way to watch it because when are you going to see, in brackets, <clears throat> ominous rock theme play. <laughs> you, you don't get this kind of con- content if you watch it without subtitles. <laughs> and I watch everything with subtitles, and that's part of the reason why. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. My final thoughts are this is my genuinely my ultimate comfort movie. Oh. Mm. Team Edward forever. Maybe I'll get it tattooed on me. <laughs> I had one more thing. Right before Lena and I sat down and watched this movie the other day, We were eating dinner, and I brought up that (laughs) we should try and watch the movie and not speak to each other. And just, like, write down our notes and then reconvene after the movie finished to talk about what we had learned. And then we both had a moment of, yeah, that would be cool. And then immediately after, we both went, no, I want to talk to you during the movie. And then we talked about how embarrassing it was that we did that. And now um, the world knows. And we, we talked to each other the whole time. That was fun. Wait, any last any last thoughts on this film? My biggest takeaway this time was about the structure. 
I think the movie is fun the whole way through. Like, as I mentioned, I was shocked to learn that the climax of this movie is Robert Pattinson singing a song as <laughs> a YouTube compilation of their of the movie so far plays in Bella's head. But I was really into the first act. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of dipped for me a little bit after the reveal that he's uh, yeah. a vampire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wish that this movie had a climax where everything came together a little bit more. Yeah. Because we've been fall. There are like three scenes of her dad, like in harm's way, tracking these evil vampires. Oh, uh-huh. That's a big plot thread. We spend all this time with her friends just in the, the first act. We spend a good chunk of time with the Native American reservation and the Jacob plotline in the beginning. And I wish that this movie had like a more fun climax that really brought all of those elements in. Yeah, I think it would be more satisfying because I think we spend so much time on them at the beginning that then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, wait, this is just about Edward's family. Like, this movie is just about these people we just met. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wish that we got some sort of, like, rollicking conclusion there in Forks where, like, her dad is tracking him and she's got to keep her dad safe. And then her friends are there and she's got to make sure the friends don't know he's a vampire. Yeah. And, like, all of the storylines converge at the end. Because as it stands, I really missed those people. And when Jacob walks in at the prom at the end... I was like, yeah. this guy is in this movie? Because <laughs> I haven't seen yeah, him in an hour. Yeah, for real. For real. Yeah, so that's my main thought. I wish I wish it came together a little bit more. I really like all of the high school movie stuff at the beginning. And I think that's exciting. Could have had more musical numbers. Yes. For sure. I love the scene where Jacob and his dad are driving and... Uh, Robert Pattinson is driving, and they both look like oh. Luigi and Mario. Kart. Oh yeah, they look <laughs> riding dirty yeah, yeah. at each other. Mm-hmm. That's I, that. I will say something I did forget in the book: the relationship, Bella's relationship with Alice in this first movie is phenomenal. Like that was who hmm. my favorite was when hmm. I was reading the books, and in the movie, she literally walks up. She's like, "We're gonna be friends," and that's the entire relationship. Is like, I just told you, so just get on board. Yeah. That's how it was for us. That was how it was with me and Macy, I said. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Lena, your favorite being Alice is not surprising to me in the least. Emmett, final thoughts? Well, I'm just going to close with a couple things. Well, one thing that Mariah said, another thing that Mariah said while watching this movie was at one point she gives the guy, when she goes to the independent bookstore to buy her book everybody go to support your local independent bookstore um she hands the guy a crumpled wad of cash and mariah said who does that (laughs) (laughs) which i think is i think that's the correct sentiment there also i think it's interesting i do think it's really interesting that she we talked we touched on it briefly earlier but that she's the only one who's who edward can't read the thoughts of there's like some cool thing there it's I don't know if it's metaphorically explored as deeply as it could be, but it's like there's something cool going on with that. It gets it gets explored much more later on. Mm. Well, Lena and Maisie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, this thank, is a dream. You know, thank you. We love having you guys <laughs> thank on. Thank you guys. Yes. Are there any projects either of you want to plug or anywhere the people can find you online? At Lena Bledsoe. At Macy C. Belk, maybe. Uh, I'm about to start a new... <laughs> listen, I love eating food on my Instagram. I'm about to start a s- actual Instagram just for eating. Name is pending. Maybe I'll use the uh, upload upstate. And if you're in Ohio this summer, 
Come to Cedar Point. I'll be singing a little bit. Ooh. So, um, <laughs> woo! It's happening again, I'm and I'm vaccinated, anything. and I might sing in front of people. I'm vaccinated. That's exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. I don't have anything to plug because I'm going to continue to be doing the same thing <laughs> until around 2022. I'm gonna. I'm moving into a house, and I'm gonna um, decorate it, and maybe I'll put that online. <laughs> And you can look at her design. I'll, I'll use my design degree. I'll put it to good use. Macy, I look forward to seeing the house. I think Thank that's you. really cool. I'm happy for you. And Lena, Thank I think you. it's this very exciting that you get to be a concert lady at Cedar Point. Ugh, I'm going to cry. But if I don't get to sing Dua Lipa, um, I immediately will quit. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> what are you going to sing? Which ones? <laughs> well, no, I'm saying I'm if, because it's the nighttime show is like a pop rock yeah. show. And if Levitating is not in that, Pointless. All right. And if she doesn't get to to fly, fly? yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I hope they're listening. Yeah, you want those Peter Pan, <laughs> those Peter Pan production values in a glittery <laughs> outfit. In a glittery outfits. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be up there. You're gonna be. Yeah. No, I love it. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Incredible. Um, thank you so much for being here, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, uh, if you don't ever listen to the stinger that goes at the end of these things, uh, please contact us at Cinema Bums Podcast, <laughs> Cinema Bums Pod at Gmail dot com. That's definitely the one that it is. And uh, hit us up with any ideas that you have for quizzes, any uh, questions that you might have about any of these movies, any flack that you want to send us for covering some terrible <laughs> movies or some movies with terrible people in them. We're open to any and all criticism, and hey, we might even read your stuff live on air. Send us the future series you want, because... Yeah, that's really... Oh, I'll start doing that. The Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> Easy. Wow. There's only three of those, uh, right? That's tempting. <laughs> Yeah, I'll come back. It's okay. <laughs> After we finish X-Men, we planned out a lot, and we are getting close to the end of that plan. So send us what you want to see next. It's a wide open Ooh, future. Yeah, for I sure, because otherwise we're going to have to do another friggin' bracket, and you know how that ended up last time. You got bedtime story. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, well, next week, join us when we discuss the 2009 sequel to this film, The Twilight Saga, New Moon. Everybody, yeah. I've, I've heard that this movie is even worse than the movie that we just watched. It is. Buckle up! <laughs> As someone who liked this movie, I'm very nervous about the next month. <laughs> I'm just terrifically excited to be doing this series with you. Uh, and I cannot wait <laughs> to come back for my segment on uh, vampires and eroticism in late 19th century <laughs> literature. <laughs> Your book report. <laughs> a book report. You have to have a little poster board. <laughs> the queering of a book report. A dissection of vampirism in late 20th century multifaceted teen sci-fi romance. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> Thank you nice. so much for being with us. Stay Thank frosted. You. I can sleep easy now. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.